We got track news for you. News you can use to wash away your views. We got track news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Hey, it's track news for the week. As you may notice, we have ads. Uh, you don't want ads? Well, Soyagers, for as little as $2 a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon and not only get ad-free episodes, but you also get the episodes the moment I get done making them. And you get them in high-quality stereo MP3 instead of that shitty mono trash. Mm. Yeah, right? Have you ever had mono? No. No, me neither. Yeah. I bet it sucks, though. It looks like it sucks. I've heard it sucks. Yeah. I, do, I do know people who have had it. Nobody wants mono, so get it in stereo, <laughs> even though that's mononucleosis, a very different thing. Um, <laughs> and then, instead of having to wait uh, like everybody else over the week for it to trickle out like a big, fat, juicy load down, uh, down your <laughs> hairless leg, okay. uh, you, you get it all at once. Like, mm. uh, like a, you know, uh, all loads at once. <laughs> Bukkake. <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, also, if you pay us $5 or more, you get in the big dumb idiot tier, and we uh, mention your name and say thank you. Just mm. It's people just like Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Joanna Hearn, Jordan Hale, Nick Savard, Shane Sawyer, and our brand new dumb idiot, big dumb idiot, sorry, David Croning Saints. Oh, not David Cronenberg. No, da- oh. very different. No, that'd be cool though. <laughs> yeah. This person is also cool. Cool. Yeah, but this person uh, also in a, a move that's cooler than David Cronenberg is not on Star Trek Discovery seasons three and four. Yes. <laughs> so I, I maybe this this one's a little better. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, all of those people are super awesome and deserve a nice bowl of soup. Mm. So if you're listening to this and in any position to give them a nice warm bowl of soup. In this cold, cold winter, do that for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but doing it in a sexual way, like instead of a bread bowl, have like an ass bowl. So you have, you serve the soup out of your ass. Oh yeah. Just, know. just, just like gape and, and give him like a ladle and be like, mm-hmm. pour, pour it in. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Can I have some more? <laughs> Could you put, put a little more soup in my asshole? <laughs> Uh, oh, the soup's so hot, it's bubbling. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> that's why it's bubbling. <laughs> oh, sir, I've never seen a soup quite white as that. Is that a <laughs> is that a New England clam chowder? <laughs> a New England clam chowder, you say? Um, so once again, that's Patreon.com. Oh, and also we have another tier that I never mentioned, but it's our um, the Plex tier. Mm. And uh, that's where you get access to my Plex server, which mm-hmm. is fucking crazy. Yeah, Pat Pat has access to it for free, although he yeah. should be paying for it. Now he shouldn't. Yeah, it is. Um, it is pretty funny. Like on the they have there's a um, a holiday um, section of Plex right now where it's mm-hmm. like the favorite your holiday your Christmas holiday favorites and uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is on there. Sick. Which I don't know if anybody knows. It's like. Nothing to do with Christmas and everything with like a, a Japanese guy who's sexually attracted to David Bowie and torturing him. <laughs> That's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. That's, that sounds like a, a Christmas romp to me. Yeah, the World War Two. Yeah, like David Bowie's like a paratrooper and mm. he's in a um, in a uh, Japanese POW camp and the the um, the leader of the camp uh, is sexually attracted to him because mm. David Bowie's really tough mm-hmm. and so then he just like goes and. Instead of like dealing with his attraction normally, he just like kind of like tortures him. <laughs> As you do. As you do. As you do. You know, it's uh 
you know, they say like when you're a kid, like if you if you bully someone, it's sometimes it's because you're attracted to them. <laughs> yeah. It carries on to adulthood. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you do extrajudicial torture to them. Mm-hmm. If you have a little crush. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, it, yeah, it's just funny that it's just like the only thing that has to do with Christmas really is the name. There's nothing, no right. Christmas. I mean, as, <laughs> as you could probably attest to based on the, uh, the experience we had right before our episode started. I torture mm. people I have crushes on every now and again, <laughs> and they ask me to. So it's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> before, before the episode started, uh, Pat was looking around for headphones, and he reached for what he thought was headphones on my floor. <laughs> uh, what, what do you, well, how would you describe that? Uh, that looks like a leather collar with like a plush inside. It is. It is plush. It's, so yeah. it's, it's comfortable, but I can still, you know, yank them around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I was really funny. I was like, oh, because like the floor, there's a there's a black floor, and these are black, so mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, it's kind of the same problem. Because like, I'm trying to get away from it, but like, all my shirts are basically black, and I'm trying to move to more color so I can tell them apart. No, <laughs> so no, like, it's not worth it. Trust it's, me. it's not worth it. But like, I was just like, I think that's headphones, and reached down like, oh, never mind. <laughs> no. Yeah, just do like me. Like everything's black. I just don't care. Yeah, yeah. I just don't care. I just grab whatever, put it on. Yeah. So that's an outfit. Done. <laughs> Done. All matches. Who cares? Uh, anyway, so uh, that's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. That's dumb idiot and the letters BS, which stand for bullshit, but also stand for Beelzebub Satanus, mm. which is not a coincidence. No. Not at all. Beelzebub. Indeed. So uh, we got to, we got some Trek news for the week. What's new in the world of Trek? Hmm. Well, let me tell you what's new in the world of Trek. First, here's a little uh, Trekulation, speculation. Mm. Is Quentin Tarantino directing a Star Trek limited series? Mm. Mm? So, apparently, back in November, uh, it, it was reported that Quentin Tarantino was working on an eight-episode limited series. Mm. Uh, it was all revealed on Tom Segura's podcast. Uh, Tarantino series would premiere in early 2023 by his admission. Plot details are, as of yet, unknown. However, a particular development uh, that we should pay attention to. In one of his latest podcasts, Tom Segura, exact same podcast, Mm -hmm. abstractly mentioned there will soon be a Star Trek miniseries that will blow people away and has a big name director attached to it. Oh. Is Tom Segura a Star Trek fan? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to Tom Segura because yeah, he's, he's kind of that whole like universe of like, um, <clears throat> you know, like the other guy who's on his podcast, fucking b- b- Kirshner, Brent Kirshner, whatever. Mm. He's, the, he's the guy who Van Wilder is based on. He's the oh, guy, really? The, the, the machine or whatever. He like does his set with his shirt off and he's like a chubby guy. I don't know. No. Wow. Can't believe you've actually <laughs> missed that guy. Yeah. Being a white guy, I, 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 I figure you get targeted ads about Brent Kirshner. <laughs> I probably, yeah. I, I, I saw him, I'd probably recognize him. Or is it Kreischer? 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 Brent Kreischer? I don't know. But still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, some fans say that uh, the series could definitely be a mini series of Bounty Law. Uh, which has been clamored for for a long time. Um, Quentin Tarantino has also said that he will be releasing uh, releasing his 10th and final film in the near future, uh, mm. which as of yet, uh, it's not known what it's about, who's in it, or anything like that. But, uh, mm. you know, when one wonders, like, after movies, is he actually going to retire, or is he going to move more into, like, the world of television and telling stories that way? Because, like, 
one thing you notice about Tarantino is like his films have gotten like increasingly lengthy yeah. and like involved in a way that like, you know, his more recent films, like, you know, even like, especially once upon a time in Hollywood, which he says is like his favorite film of his. That's funny. Cause I, that's the one I haven't seen. Oh, it's just, so, so it's like, should watch that it's very long break. and it, it makes sense. Like it would also have made equal, equally as much sense in like a four to six part miniseries mm-hmm. as well. I think maybe even eight, like they could have dragged it out even longer. Like it was really well done, but like, yeah. You know, it's on my server, so you can check it out. Yeah, I'll check it out. I mean, I, I'm on my winter break right now, so mm-hmm. I can I have plenty of time to just uh, watch some movies. Oh, hell, and you're going to be staying here for like a week, so yeah. you can just hang out and watch movies here, which will be right Oh, on. on the big oh, screen. On the big screen. I got that, <laughs> uh, that 80, 86-inch fucking movie screen. Hells yeah. Hell yeah, I'll show you how to use that and set that up. And <laughs> you can do all the movies you want. Woohoo! All right. Moving on in Trek news. Uh, we got some more treculation. We're just going to get the speculation out of the way at the top here. Lots of lots of speculation here. So according to Giant Freaking Robot, who um, you know says they have like uh, trusted and proven sources who are, you know, maybe kind of wrong a lot of the time. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Either that or like they've missed a few times or just like gotten things like out of date. But mm-hmm. so according to them and according to their trusted and proven sources – uh, Dr. Julian Bashir, played by Alexander Siddig, is on his way back to Star Trek. Oh. Uh, he'll be voicing a signature role in the animated Star Trek Lower Decks, and he'll be mm. back with his voice and everything else in the upcoming live-action series based around Section 31. Mm. It's said as well, which is interesting. So, uh, The word that uh, these journalists received uh, tracks was Season 3 of Lower Decks, which concluded in October. The most recent episodes included brief but memorable appearances by Section 31, as well as a fan favorite return to the Deep Space Nine space station. While Julian Bashir wasn't in that particular Star Trek episode, Nana Visitor and Armin Shimmerman both reprised their DS9 roles, if only for voice. Mm. Um, that Julian Bashir will appear in the Section 31 Star Trek series is perhaps the most surprising update of the two. Many have questioned whether or not the show, which Michelle Yeoh is expected to be leading as Emperor Philippa Georgiou, had wandered into development limbo. Her character comes from a different century than that of Bashir, which brings upon the question of exactly when this series will be set in the Trek timeline. But they kind of actually left that pretty open. Because, uh, like... Yeah, I'm going to guess it's going to be have to be, like, whatever allowed, uh, you know, Alexander Siddig to age naturally into <laughs> right 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 and so they, they'd have to set it probably around the time of, of picard like, of picard or lower decks mm. which i'd be actually kind of fine with either because I, I i like that era more than the discovery era the discovery era like it's yeah. too technologically advanced for being that far back mm-hmm. it doesn't it, it honestly like a big problem I have with discovery is like it just doesn't fit technologically in the timeline because mm-hmm. there's so much more advanced than TOS, which mm-hmm. takes place in the future. Yes. <laughs> it just, I'm like, uh, yeah, uh. it is. It is weird when they introduce like, yeah, there's a, there's the, um, cyborg lady and the, um, and they have, and they use like different little drones a lot. And yeah, it's like, you know, I, obviously like we know now that like, that technology would exist around that time, considering we have mm-hmm. pretty much the same, you know, it's just like advances of our current day. Um, you know, you know, back in the 1960s, that's what they, you know, Star Trek is what they imagined it would be like. And now we can ima- have 
more creativity and like, uh, you know, nowhere technology is naturally going to lead. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why it's like more technologically advanced, but it does seem very odd in comparison. Indeed. Yeah. So it's also conceivable Michelle Yeoh is no longer attached to the project. With her profile and list of upcoming projects growing, uh, with the latest news from Variety casting her in the film adaptation of Wicked, uh, her schedule may not be able to give room to the Trek series anymore. And thus, Alexander Siddig as Julian Bashir could be replacing her in Star Trek Section 31. Hmm. Which so I actually never considered, because like it would make sense that like the reason that hasn't come out is because Michelle Yeoh's star has risen so much. Yeah. Like, like she's probably too expensive and like too popular to be in that series now. Mm-hmm. Like, cause she's, you know, she's on the top of her game at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. She also did some minion movie too that she's been in. Like that came out just recently as well. So sick, <laughs> sick. But I, but also I'm like, what, you know, that, that was one whole thing with Julian Bashir and DS nine is him rejecting like, you know, section 31. Right. And, and so, so I, I think it'd be interesting if he was like, yeah, the, the anti section 31 guy who's like fighting to like destroy section 31 in the show. Yeah. Like section like 31's actually, yeah, like section 31 is what they should, what they should be is a villain. Yeah. Cause and, they are. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. That would, then that would be fun. Like have Michelle Yeoh and Julian Bashir kind of at odds with each other. And that, to, that would be really cool. Uh, yeah. because like, I do like Emperor uh, Philippa Georgiou as a character. Yeah. She's like the only completely tolerable part of season three so far. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the moment she left, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like went downhill. Yeah. She's like funny. She mm-hmm. delivers her lines well. And like most of the writers actually write pretty well for her because she's just like, she doesn't want to be there and she hates everybody. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my girl. Yeah. Just, uh, she's just like me. She's just like me for real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, but, and, but, but the problem is too, like she's also as a core of evil, even though like at the end of season three, she does kind of have a hero's turn ish. Mm. She has a turn more that's like, oh, well, instead of like, just like mindlessly killing people, the right kind of violence is acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that mindset. And I'm like, uh, this is still like state propaganda. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I could see her fitting into that. And I ultimately, I just don't want a section 31 show because I know Same. it's just going to be like fucking CIA propaganda. Yeah. Just like, look how cool these people are. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it'll, there'll probably be an episode where Julian Bashir realizes how, how necessary section 31 is. Mm-hmm. And he actually helps them, but then they go back to their, oh, yeah, but, but what if Jack Ryan was in star Trek? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, we don't need that. Like mm-hmm. we don't, like there's enough political intrigue in all of Star Trek to like do mm. political thrillers in their own right without yeah. having shady statecraft actors that are like trampling all over the agency of other civilizations in order to bolster the Federation. Yeah. Like the U S does with every fucking world government. Yeah. And, and as, and as we've seen, you know, it's like those, the future that Star Trek posits wouldn't, would com- completely make a, an organization like Section 31 completely obsolete. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. It's like Section 31 and like organizations like that, like the CIA, the only reason they exist is to do, you know, basically violence and statecraft. Yep. Yeah, imperialism and colonialism. Yeah, And And basically, yeah, just use back channels to secure resources, topple mm-hmm. democratically elected um, 
<laughs> um, leaders and regime change wars. Yeah. yeah, and then of course at home, like you know, um, uh, crackdown on dissent. And it's just like crack down on dissent and then like uh, fucking pill people and then put them in jail when they do the thing you suggested they do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, like what and and a, a future of Star Trek like that wouldn't be necessary. No. We, especially in a poor scarcity uh, type future like no yeah we we ha- we don't need it. We don't we're like who are we going like do we need to fucking like topple the Klingon empire? Okay. So <laughs> I actually have an idea here. Huh? That could make the section 31 show fucking amazing mm. all right here we go so we open up it's it's like around the time of ds9 right uh there's there's just a guy sitting at a computer you know he's got a black badge on he's working mm. for section 31 you know through through a bunch of a series of messages and it just shows text across the seat uh, mm-hmm. across the screen like texts back and forth or email type things mm-hmm. for like you know five ten minutes this is the opening credits and we 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 slowly learned that he's like radicalizing <laughs> some guy, right? And and he's like telling a guy, yeah, maybe the Federation, uh, maybe they're not doing the right thing. Maybe, uh, maybe they deserve violence like they do to other people. This person ends up being none other than Michael Eddington. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and we find out that Section 31 itself created the Maquis. Yeah. In oh, order yeah. to justify itself. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh. That's what the CIA does, is they, they create political turmoil overseas mm-hmm. in order to be like, look, there's political turmoil <laughs> there. That's why we need to be there to straighten things out. And yeah. we're like, you caused it. And, this, and just so happens, they have, have something that we need, a natural resource that we oh, need that they're yeah. just sitting on. Yep. It always happens that way. Yeah. It's but, weird that like there's so much conflict now going on in every country that has a bunch of cobalt and lithium. Yeah. Right? It's it's no longer like the oil countries like it was 20 years ago because yeah. now we need shit for batteries. So yeah. now it's fucking like all of those developing countries. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. Very convenient. It's super convenient. And that's, <laughs> yeah. Like why, why did we fucking pull out of Afghanistan? Oh, because people maybe caught on to the fucking – the, the opiate fucking epidemic mm-hmm. and we no longer could, you know, ship in mass quantities of fucking opium to put in our drugs because mm-hmm. people fucking caught on and the government finally put a, a kibosh <laughs> on that. Maybe, maybe and just saying it's a weird coincidence that the moment we stop needing that level of chemical, like fucking pharmaceutical grade opium, we just leave. Yeah, and right now we're now we're like just just gave Ukraine like uh, one point eight trillion billion dollars. Uh, we'll talk about that in the real news. <laughs> yeah, so we're <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a we've got a whole other hour yeah. just for shit like that, friend. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So uh, ultimately, I don't. Once again, we here at Soy Trek do not want, do not need a Section Thirty One show, and no. we're actively against it. Yeah, I, I don't want. Like, it. I don't want it. Like, I, I will maybe start harassing the showrunner or Alex Kurtzman. I don't know why I don't harass Alex Kurtzman on fucking Twitter. Mm. Other than that, like, he's like got friends on there who I do respect. Like, you know, some showrunners from other good shows. <clears throat> Probably block you pretty quick. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like I want to be on good terms with, like, the Hagman brothers from fucking uh, Prodigy because mm-hmm. they're rad and they yeah. do good Trek well. Mm-hmm. And also uh, fucking whoever is doing uh, Henry Alonzo Myers, who does mm-hmm. SNW. Yeah. You know what? Respect him. Yeah. I like what he's doing. Yeah. Terry Metalis? No. <laughs> nope. Sorry. I want to harass that guy. But yeah. I know he's got friends who, like, would be like, 
that soy trick, I'm going to block him too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I actually... Avoid him at all costs. Yeah, so that's that's that. So uh, next we got a fun little article uh, from Screen Rant here. Um, mm. Star Trek and Avatars Zoe Saldana. That's right. We got a crossover, baby. Hells yeah. We've got, I think, a couple crossover articles this week on Star Trek and Avatar, which I fucking love. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, Go listen to the review we put out last week of Avatar 2. Mm. Watch the movie first. Unless you plan on never watching the movie, then just listen to our, our thing. It's a little jumbled and stuff because we released it like right after we watched it. And I was just like trying to take notes in a dark theater. Mm-hmm. My, my notes are a little jumbled. But <laughs> you'll, you'll get the general gist of it. General themes, general politics of the film, yeah. a general action, like what we found cool and fun and interesting about mm-hmm. the film. Overall, though. Fucking sick film. Go watch it. Yeah, it is funny. It is fun going online and seeing people just wildly misinterpreting mm-hmm. like the the plot of the movie, even though it's very unsubtle and very sincere. Right. And, and so- people, people are like, <laughs> "Oh, it's fucking military propaganda." I'm like, "No, mm-hmm. no." <laughs> yeah. Like, and- yeah. Okay. It is military propaganda if you're like, if you think like the natives during the trail of tears should have like made a military and fought the U S and I agree. (laughs) Okay. Okay. If you bend your mind like that, then yes, I can absolutely agree with that because it is pro like, you know, indigenous populations arming themselves against colonizers. Mm -hmm. That's what the film is about. Yeah. And like people being like, it's pro colonizer. I'm like, I, there is no way to interpret it like that. No. That's that's literally the mouth breathingest thing you can possibly. I think. I think a lot of the it's pro military thing does come from the fact that it, it, it has like, violence. The military mm-hmm. does have really cool things. Yeah, they, know, they have they have fucking crab necks. Yeah, I mean, and it's just it's, like it's, yeah, that can be cool, but it's also they're bad guys. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much all of the coolest technology in the world is in the hands of the U.S. DOD. Yeah, because they they're the ones who get all the funding. Yeah, because they like, get billions of dollars to just yeah. fucking jerk off into the wind. Yeah, we give them eight hundred billion dollars plus a year. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think in the next like four years they're gonna start topping a trillion dollar budget yearly. Yeah, which is motherfucking insane. Yeah. and it, it, it's that's all wasted. I mean, like the pensions, all that, which is like a third of it or half of it. That's good. The VA pensions, all that, mm-hmm. awesome. But like. Bringing on new military members, like what are they? What are they doing? We're at peacetime. Yeah. Why do we need a standing army of one to two million people? I don't get it. Yeah. It doesn't make any. It it makes no sense. No. It's nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> so Star Trek and Avatar star Zoe Saldana explains why Klingon is harder to speak than Navi. Hmm. Saldana enjoyed an absolutely massive 2009, appearing in both the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot as Ahura. In James Cameron's uh, and in James Cameron's all-time blockbuster Avatar as the Navi warrior, Natiri. Uh, currently, Saldana can be seen uh, in Avatar: The Way of Water mm-hmm. as Natiri once again must defend her peaceful, nature-loving people against the evil forces of planet Earth. Yes, very anti-colonist. The Scott Scott K K K people, Kai people. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, 
So, starring in both Star Trek and Avatar has obviously been rewarding for Soldana in many ways, but in other ways, it has been challenging as well. One particular challenge for the actor uh, was having to learn a different alien language for each of the franchises, Klingon mm-hmm. for Star Trek Into Darkness and Navi for Avatar. Speaking recently with Movie TV while doing press for Avatar 2, Saldana was asked which of those two languages was harder to master and was happy to give a definitive answer with a little help from co-star Sam Worthington. Uh, she said, quote, I would say Klingon is the harder language because I had to learn the phrases that I was saying so quickly, but it was quite fun too. When it comes to Navi, there were months and months where we were practicing and we had Carla Mayer who worked with us. Sam Worthington added, with Navi, if you can't roll your R's, they would change the word accordingly to help you. Mm. And Saldana says, with Klingon, you had to get it exactly as it was, and that was quite challenging. Which really just goes to show you the kind of filmmaker that fucking James Cameron is compared to the guy who did Star Trek Into Darkness. I think it was J.J. Oh, yeah, it was J.J. Abrams. He did the book. But, that, but, also, but that's also how Klingon was initially created. True. Like, like they just, mm-hmm. like, ended up, like... Yeah, so speaking the gibberish, and then the like, guy did it back. Yeah, he yeah. like yeah did it backwards. Kind so of. like yeah, Zoe Saldana got there too late. <laughs> she yeah. got there when after uh, after uh, Klingon had already been established. True, true. Yeah. But but at the same time, like but they also basically she's saying too they didn't have like a linguistic expert and she didn't have mm. months to practice. Yeah, like she did with Avatar, yeah. which is goes to show you like that's a thing that James Cameron did. He's like, oh yeah, as a pre production. We got to send the actors to fucking learn an alien language for (laughs) like three months, which is like a level of preparation that is beyond the comprehension of, I think, basically every other Mm -hmm. filmmaker alive. I was watching uh, today, I was watching some behind the scenes footage. I think it was from the uh, first film. But they're, they're all wearing their mocap suits, mm-hmm. but the mocap suits also have like ears and tails attached to them. So they're like, so they're like uh, doing, right. yeah, I think it'll help them get into the, into the spirit. So they oh, have, right, right, so right. they okay, have yeah. like, they have like their little Navi ears and a yeah. Navi tail. And so like, oh. I, I, it's, it's kind of just funny to watch cause they did a side by side of the real scene versus the mocap scene. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, but that's pretty fun, right? Yeah. We, we think that's pretty fun. We, we love uh, cross news, for the things we like especially. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering what the, uh, uh, how the Navi language is set up, like what the, the, uh, the, grammar, the grammar is for it. It's kind of interesting to see, see if yeah. they release a book down the line. I'm sure that I'm sure there's there might already be a thing like the linguistics of Navi. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's already like five books called like the philosophy of avatars. Yeah, like yeah. The I, did see, I did see a um, a um, a uh, visual dictionary mm-hmm. advertised to me the other day. That's I'm like, hmm, that might be fun. It has like all the names and has a bunch of drawings in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, those they still have words, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Damn it. Yeah, <laughs> they are kind of picture books. <laughs> You're like, what what are all these like little squiggles next to the pictures here? Yeah. Uh, Those aren't pictures. <laughs> uh, so uh next we have a an interesting thought piece here from um CBR.com. Hmm. Titled Was Robin Williams a red shirt from Star Trek? Hmm. So his master plan was to kidnap a human, but he ended up stealing the show and the Hollywood spotlight for decades to come. When Robin Williams literally burst onto the screen in Happy Days as Mork from Orc, TV was about to boldly go where it had never gone before. Mm. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't have been... Coked po- up. <laughs> yeah. No, it had been there long before. So, 
but it wouldn't have been possible without the crew of Star Trek and an assist from Star Wars. The role of Mork was never supposed to be more than a one-and-done guest spot for a nameless upstart actor grinding out part-time work. The character was an alien inspired by producer Gary Marshall's son, who saw the original Star Wars and thought an alien would be a good fit for Happy Days. Mm. This was after they jumped the shark, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, in early 1978, less than a year after Star Wars had its Battle of Yavin, Happy Days aired Season 5, Episode 22, My Favorite Orkin. Mm. Marshall's gift for capturing comedy on camera, from the odd couple to pretty woman to adapting The Princess Diaries, part one and two, motherfucker, <laughs> was a mark of his genius, it says here, but I don't believe... Uh, he could see the hilarity of Mork play out in his mind when everyone else just saw the words on paper. He stuck to his guns, and even when the original script was horrible, according to Happy Days star Anson Williams, uh, but the first actor playing Mork, John Biner, quit after only a couple of days. I wonder why. Yeah. Maybe because he was playing an alien on Happy Days? <laughs> Uh, Marshall asked the cast for replacement suggestions, and Al Morlino came up with Robin Thecken Williams, mm. the genie himself. But the casting wasn't the only last-minute change. Uh, per recycled movie costumes, the iconic red spacesuit Mork wears came as the result of a desperate costume grab from the Paramount Wardrobe Department. Fans of Star Trek noticed the space oddity. The uniform had been worn by Colonel Philip Green in Star Trek Season 3, Episode 22, The Savage Curtain in 1969, one of the final episodes of the series. Hmm. In that episode, which Screen Rant also considers terrible, and that shows history, it says here, uh, William Shatner's Captain Kirk killed Green in battle. Hmm. So, um, it's common even today for big studios to reuse costumes and even certain sets. So in 1978, the Happy Days wardrobe team grappled the old uniform from the Paramount lot. Designers then accentuated it with an inverted pyramid in front and sent real, uh, Williams onto set and into TV history forever. But it wouldn't be the first time Gene Roddenberry's leftover, leftovers or another iconic sci-fi series would cross over to the Happy uh, Days universe. Uh, then goes on to say that uh, there was a f something from the Outer Limits on there. But uh, yeah, so Mork's iconic costume comes originally from Star Trek, hmm. which is interesting. Interesting, interesting. thought piece. Uh, could do you think uh, the orcs could be in the Star Trek universe? Yeah, makes, why not include them? Yeah, I, I'd i say that'd be an interesting thing just to throw in there. Just like quirky, annoying aliens, have them as a one-off on something like either Lower Decks or Prodigy. Yeah. Yeah, get a fucking Robin Williams impersonator. <laughs> Give him like a, a gram of Coke to fucking come in and, <laughs> yeah. and just do fucking Robin Williams shit. Mm. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, and you know, and, uh, I, re I watched, uh, I finally got around to watching uh, Zoolander 2 mm. the other day. And that has I a- I have not seen it. That has a uh, Mork reference in it, because yeah. like because uh, 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 while while filming, I get uh, that's when Robin Williams had died. Oh, but and so like they decided to include like the outfit that um that uh the two model guys Ben Stiller and um what's his face Owen Wilson Owen Wilson they the the first thing they wear in Zoolander uh, two is like a, a Mork outfit. Oh, that's, they're both that's wearing Mork outfits. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty fun, Maine. Pretty, pretty fun. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Next on the docket. Did you know that automatic sliding doors didn't exist as they do before Star Trek? I did not know that. Yeah. So Star Trek's uh, techno technological legacy is vast. Kids watching back in the 1960s grew up and invented the cool things they saw on the show. Mm. Tablets, 
Video calls and flip phones are all real-life gadgets inspired by Star Trek tech. Food replicators and medical tricorders are not far off. But did you know that automatic sliding doors belong on that list as well? Mm. Those of us who were not yet alive when the original series came out may have no idea that this technology blew people away at the time. Famed astrophysicist and notable asshole Neil deGrasse Tyson has even said it was the least realistic part of the show for him. Um, when he watched as a kid, space travel and warp drive were believable enough. However, doors that knew when you wanted them to open seemed truly too good to be true. Shut up, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I doubt that. Uh, yeah. I feel that's something he made up. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you saw his, his tweet this week about, um, I don't know. It was just kissing Elon's ass. It was real dick riding shit. That's because, yeah. And it's like, it's like, he showed, it shows that he has like. No inner thought process. Just no. like it just accepts things at face value and, and, and I don't know. I, I think just tries to be a contrarian for contrarian sake because like, mm. because like, Oh, he's like definitely has the mindset where if like a bunch of people like rightly, rightfully point out that mm-hmm. someone's being a fucking prick and asshole, mm-hmm. like then the opposite must be the, the, the truth. And yeah. that's, that's how he operates. He's like this. I was just thinking about how he's like the, the, the capitalist Carl Sagan. <laughs> Cause like Carl Sagan was pretty cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. And or you know what he's like? He's actually, I feel like he's, he's, uh, he's like, if you mix Carl Sagan with, um, Seth MacFarlane and then he wouldn't <laughs> shut the fuck up. Cause one thing I do actually like about Seth MacFarlane is I think mm-hmm. he actually knows when to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And so he's not annoyingly public at all. He no, just makes not. really annoying media. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, and some decent media, you know. Yeah. I, I've I've, I've kind of liked what I've watched of the Orville. I've never seen it. It's it's all right. Although yeah. uh, if you're looking for funny space shows, I, I mean, recommend... Cassidy Yates is in it, which yeah, like, oh, yeah. I like, uh, and I mean, and Robert Picardo, I guess, does. Oh it yeah. Uh, so so they've gotten they've actually literally gotten more Star Trek actors on the mm-hmm. Orville than they have in new Star Trek. <laughs> like they've they've gotten tons of people on there. Um, yeah. We, we love yeah, might give it a shot one day, but I don't know. It's fine. If you're looking for a funny space show, I would recommend Avenue five far. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. I, I just started watching that almost done with the first season. Mm-hmm. Very fucking funny. It's really good. Ethan Phillips is in there mm-hmm. as basically like a Neelix that understands consent. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, Oh man, he's so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, God, he, he has some lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love all of his lines. Like, yeah. he's, like he's oh, the, I want a ponytail like that. You, you don't have the follicle strength to have a ponytail <laughs> like this. Not many people do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 the thirtieth man and fifth Canadian to land yeah. on Mars, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's very fun. It's really um, good. So, uh, an engineer in ancient Greece actually invented the earliest known version of automatic doors nearly two thousand years ago. It involved fire pulleys and a priest. Which is hmm. also like most of my sex. <laughs> uh, the, the mechanism was designed to give the illusion that a divine power opened the temple doors. Uh, the next automatic door wasn't around until 1931, but only existed in one restaurant in Connecticut. It swung open and closed and allowed waiters back and forth into the kitchen hmm. and was like kind of more, um, uh, not pneumatic, but like worked on motion systems. Mm-hmm. So. Engineers invented the first automatic sliding doors in 1954, but they became commercially available in 1960. But they used a mat on the floor to trigger the doors electronically, which is definitely not the case in Star Trek. Um, They didn't really catch on until the addition of motion sensor technology in the 1970s, well after Star Trek initially Hmm. appeared, which 
is pretty fucking interesting. Uh, then goes on to try to explain how the doors work in Star Trek, but that doesn't really matter to us, does it? We don't fucking care. Yeah. No, they just open. It's yeah. magic. It's space magic. It's all space magic. Yeah. It's, it's obviously like a guy that's behind the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that they're just like, when they come close. And, and like, yeah, as they're walking up to the door, they're like, door. Door. Or, Action. Door. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's a guy. Yeah, there's a guy. There's a guy. There's always a guy. It's like, I don't, uh, you ever watch that movie? Um, Sindaki, Sindaki, New York. Sindaki, New York. Yeah. Love that film. Yeah. Charlie Kaufman's first director, uh, directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Charlie Kaufman is my favorite modern writer. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I like about them. I would so highly recommend his novel, Antkind. Oh, yeah. This is his debut novel. Fantastic book. Yeah, but that's what I like about um, that that movie is like, you know, when he enters like the, the stage world mm-hmm. that and then like there's just people that are just operating like the, the elevators yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, and like everything, like just working behind the scenes and mm-hmm. lit, but like that's how that's their entire life is just operating these like things to make it look like they're real life contraptions. Yeah. That, that movie, it's a good movie and a good film, but beyond that, it's such an insanely interesting, like thought experiment. Yeah. Basically the idea is like, a director gets like a MacArthur genius grant to just like make whatever they want to make out of their, like Mm -hmm. do the ultimate stage production they want to do. And so they decide to rebuild the city they live in on a giant sound stage Mm -hmm. and then live in that city. Yeah. And it plays around with time in a lot of weird ways. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is like, um, I mean, and then city within a city. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) like like you gotta like Charlie, Charlie Kaufman definitely smokes weed. Yeah. And he definitely like does so much <laughs> caffeine that I can't even comprehend it. But mm-hmm. um, his mind works in a different fucking way. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Like he's yeah. a, I, I would definitely call him like a modern genius. Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Kaufman fucking rocks. He yeah. also, I mean, he wrote, he, he's written like the best fucking uh, screenplays of my generation. You got mm-hmm. um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You got Being John Malkovich. Cinecraft adaptation adaptation which so is like good. the best Nicolas Cage movie I'm, I'm... my opinion the second best I mm-hmm. am a vampire's kiss motherfucker <laughs> yeah. I'm not but, even kidding but, I fucking love that but uh, I would say like he does the best acting of his life in that movie I, I would say both of them I yeah. mean like the, <laughs> the alphabet scene yeah. A B C D E F G that is like it it's amazing how he can take something like the alphabet mm-hmm. and just make it one of the best scenes in a movie you've ever seen. Yeah. It's 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 fucking brilliant. Yeah, they definitely didn't have like a like uh, any sort of like restraint or no. Any the sort rails of notes. were entirely off that yeah. film. They're just like, hey Nick, do the craziest <laughs> shit you can, and he's like really the craziest and they're like do it, and he's like okay. <laughs> but like I did hear on adaptation, like that's when he was given the most restraint. Like Spike Jones was just like. Mm-hmm. Do what, do exactly what I tell you to do, and that, don't, that, and don't, and don't add any of your any any of your own input to it. That makes sense because it is. <laughs> I mean, the film it is at its base like it's a Charlie Kaufman film about Charlie Kaufman being Charlie Kaufman. Yes, and like if Nick Cage Nick did Cage that, did. It, it couldn't. It can't be a film about Nick Cage being Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, doing Charlie Kaufman. It's it's because yeah, it's. It is the most neurotic film I've ever watched. (laughs) 
And that's why it's one of the best films I've ever yeah. watched. I, I watched that film uh, <laughs> while I like almost overdosed on Adderall. Oh, shit. That was something else. <laughs> yeah, I can let imagine. Me, let me tell you, that was something else, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is when, like, after a, after he's having, like, a manic episode mm-hmm. and, like, talking into his recorder and yeah, just, yeah. like, about really excited about what about his ideas for the, for it. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, listening back to it later. And he's just, like, <laughs> yeah. and he's just, what like, he's just, like, completely disgusted with himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, such a, that's such a good scene, and it's yeah. very, very relatable. <laughs> yeah, certainly is. <laughs> All righty. Moving on in Trek news, uh, we're going to do a quick uh, update on what's happening in the Star Trek comic book world. Because uh, as, as before, as we reported before, we're going to give some updates on that world. You know, yeah. Just in case it touches on uh, any of the other lore, canon, or anything like that. So. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's a new godlike race in the Star Trek universe, the mysterious Shapers of Sardakesh. Mm. As you might have remembered before, there were like the engineers of Sardakesh, which mm. the Klingons like refused to engage in battle with because mm-hmm. they were like so powerful. Apparently, they're maybe different, and they're called the Shapers of Sardakesh. So, mm. as the God War of epic proportions rages across the galaxy in IDW's new Star Trek comic, Captain Benjamin Sisko and the crew of the Thesis head deep into Klingon space, seeking the Shapers' help. In issue two, Sisko and company find the Shapers, and they are beyond anything they could have ever imagined. The issue is on sale now in print and digital. IDW Publishing has renewed their commitment to the line of Star Trek comics. No, 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 no one cares about that. Um, Crystal Entities, no one really cares. So the Shapers live undisturbed in Klingon space, and Sisko seeks safe passage to their world, a request denied by the Emperor Kalos. Unfazed, Cisco and his crew go anyway. Wait, K- Kalos is Emperor again? I thought Martok was Emperor at the end of the series, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's Chancellor. Oh yeah. Oh, I think right. I think Kalos is just still in like the oh the the figurehead position. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Or fake Kalos, mm-hmm. clone Kalos. Yeah, it's kind of like how the British, you know, how they have the Queen, but it's like the Prime Minister that actually makes the decisions and stuff. What do you mean? <laughs> The British don't have a queen. Oh, I mean king. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they have right now. I totally, I totally forgot she died. Yeah. <laughs> High five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that's, the British. That's right. It is. It is King Charles now. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all dog shit. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. The prime minister. Whoever's the prime minister right yeah, now. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. Um. Johnson's Johnson is. Is he back? I think he's back. I think. Mm. I think yeah, because they had that other chick. That... A fucking bitchy Muppet boy's back. No, nice. He, he looks like such a Muppet. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, at least, I mean, he's just as bad as like all the other ones. At least he didn't do that fucking ridiculous tax shit like the last time mm-hmm. he did. Uh, he's still bad, but at least he's like funny. Yeah. You know, he's he's like a British Trump kind of. Like, yeah. He's obviously not as bad as Trump, but he's like a fucking doofus ass bitch. And he's like very like weak and effeminate, which he is somehow funny. and he somehow pulls. He do, no, he's ha, he has like twenty illegitimate children, man. Yeah. It's nuts. So I think he does fuck more than Trump. He do, oh, he definitely does. Yeah, Trump. Trump is like he's not asexual. No, I think he is. I think yeah. Trump is asexual. Like he only does sex as a, a power exchange kind yeah. of thing. 
Like he wants to feel powerful. I don't think he's ever had intimate sex with anybody. Like I've got to have sex with Stormy Daniels. She, <laughs> she's very hot porn star. I got to have sex with her. <laughs> but he's just like not having fun the entire time. No, no. <laughs> he's just like, this sucks. I just I mean, want to be, be on Twitter. Yeah, right the now. entire two and a half minutes. He's like, yes, I'm going to come inside this porn star. Okay, this is great. Fantastic. So some people tell me I have to. Most fabulous ticket. Do I? Do I? Do I? Get out. I'm bored with you. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> um, so, uh, readers then see it uh, on route. Cisco asks Tom Paris for a briefing on the Shapers. I didn't know Tom Paris was in this comic, but that's pretty fun. Yeah. Fun. That makes sense that Tom would remain in Starfleet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Although I feel like, I don't know. I almost feel like Tom would be maybe a captain at this point, right? No, no, because this is like no, no. This is like right after that, so maybe not. No, yeah, it's because I, I, he, I, I'm, I'm guessing he was supposed to be in like his like kind of late twenties in Voyager, late twenties to mid thirties. I think yeah. it was like around our age when when he got off. Yeah, boy. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, maybe. And also like maybe Commander. Does that mean Balan is here with her kid too? Yeah, well, that'd be cool if we get to see uh, their kid. Yeah. The the quadroon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kid would be a. Uh, you gotta call me out on that. Are you, I can't be saying that. What I I call their kid a quadroon. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch what? that. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. You gotta police me. I can't be saying shit like that. That's uncalled for. Edit this out. Edit it out. Um. No. If if uh, if you're if y'all aren't aware, that's an incredibly antiquated racist term. Yeah, yeah. They used to uh, actually call like people of mixed race. Like they used to like go back and actually find the percentage of black they were and like refer to them by that, which is like so dehumanizing, and crazy. Yeah. It's insane. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> Although you are eight percent Italian, and I will remember that. I do remember nine percent. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I try to give you the benefit of the doubt, and you just dash it against the rocks. Yeah, I just mama me. Yeah, I just try to forget about that part of myself. <laughs> I try to forget. That's that's you know my penis, yeah. <laughs> Italian penis. Everything else is like Irish. You know? <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Uh, this uh, Geek Girl Authority mm. has released their. 10 best Trek episodes of the year list or 11 best. We're going to go down them. Uh, and I think next week probably we'll, uh, do our best episodes of Trek for the year since we'll, mm. uh, next week will be the finale of mm. prodigy. So we'll have seen all of the Trek release yeah. this year. Did you want to save this for then then? No, no. Cause we're yeah. going to really, really, or do this now, just okay. part of Trek news. And then, you know, it'll give us maybe some ideas and, and we'll, we can criticize this and whatever. And then next week, because yeah, this one is obviously is incomplete because it doesn't have the last episode of Prodigy can't be on here. Oh, that's true. And uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see. And actually, yeah. this was uh, this was written on December fifth, so they're missing like the four last episodes of Prodigy, wow. all of which have been bangers. So yeah, totally totally out there. So anyway, um, these aren't in any particular order. So we'll start with Discovery coming home. No. The episode was, <laughs> the episode with Stacey Abrams. Nope. Definitely not. Why not? <laughs> well, for one, Stacey Abrams is a total fraud. 
<laughs> just I like, mean, I don't, I don't think she's a total fraud. Yeah, she's just a loser. Yeah, <laughs> like she's she actually does care about like voter registration, and she did do a good job of getting people registered. They just didn't come out to vote for her because <laughs> no. she's not that likable of a candidate. No, and she also does dumb shit. Like go on Star Trek is the president of Earth. That, that, but Discovery has a lot of moments that don't age well, mm-hmm. and that yeah, that's definitely one of them. Where it's just like depicting her as like the president of Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like and it's it's like it, it would be one thing if she had you know just won her seat as senator or something like that, and like mm-hmm. she took a victory lap and like fucking owned the conservatives by fucking being the president on the show, but she. She was the president, like, amid her senatorial campaign. Mm-hmm. And then she lost that campaign handily by, yeah. like, eight points or something. Yeah. She underperformed everybody else in that race. She out, she underperformed, like, Warnock by, like, ten points, mm-hmm. which is uh, not good. No. Because a lot of people saw them as, like, kind of political equivalents or something. Yeah. But no. No, people just didn't show up for Stacey Abrams. No. Um, yeah, they're definitely counting on uh, on that being somewhat being relevant later on the line, and it is not. <laughs> yes, that's uh, that that was like that's just cringe. No matter what your politics are, what she did was cringe. Yeah, the like, Elon Musk worship that's in Discovery also cringe. Also, yeah. not doesn't age, hasn't aged well. Oh no! Well, I mean, it, it it can. There is a good explanation for that yeah. because the person who like likens him to being a hero mm. is Mirror Lorca, who is yes. evil. Yes, and he also I think, but, but he's in but he's in disguise as pretending to be from their universe. True, so, true, but, but yeah, and so also if, if you were to say like Elon Musk with Zephyrin Cochran and um and the Wright brothers, yeah, people right, would be right. like, "What the fuck are you talking yeah, about?" Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so, uh, next, we have uh, preludes. From Prodigy, which is a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. It's the one that like uh, went to their backstories, which I think might belong on this list. That was a good episode. I would say so, yeah. yeah. That, that, was a, that was a good character episode. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the way they, they set it up and the way they advance the story while doing basically like an entirely background for all the characters episode yeah. was actually really good. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought would say they, so. They, they, yeah, that was a, a good way they did that. Um, next, we have an episode that I thought was pretty good. The Serene Squall from Strange New Worlds. Yes. Uh, I give this, I, I actually don't say this belongs on the list mm. only because like the A and B plots have a gulf between them. Mm. The A plot with fucking Angel, the mm-hmm. fucking uh, hot non-binary mm-hmm. um, fucking captain. Mm-hmm. That That's great. Love that. The fucking pirate part of that episode is mostly <laughs> like Pirates of the Caribbean. I do remember dumb. you didn't like that pirate part. No. I mean, there were multiple <laughs> pirate parts where I'm like, why are they doing Pirates of the Caribbean in space? Because yeah. that's exactly what they did. Like, the Orions looked like fucking mm. Jack Sparrow and shit. And I'm like, like is- we got this warp-capable ship that's all crappy inside. Yes. And like, Arr, we need to grog. Arr, we all speak standard. Why are we speaking like this? Arr? We don't have food for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... Yeah, it was- <laughs> The only thing we know how to make is oatmeal, mm. and it's colored green. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was dumb. Um, so that one's like a 50-50. I really liked the character they introduced, and I liked how it advanced the story. And I love, more than anything, love the fact that at the end, he's Cybok coming yeah. back. I want Cybok so bad. Mm. Who who would you say would make the best Cybok? Who would you um, 
uh, Madberry. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we both <laughs> we both saw that that Twitter post from like a year ago, and have yeah. just been thinking about it ever since. Yeah, definitely Madberry. I mean, be I want Madberry to star in everything, but as Cybox specifically, he would be bananas good. I'm sure they're just gonna cast somebody. I mean, they're gonna have to cast someone around um, what's his face's age, around Spock's age, if not a little older. Uh, so it'll probably I mean, be he, some unknown person. I mean, he's like 10 years older than Spock. Though. Yeah. So, I mean, that could work for Matt Berry. Yeah, I feel maybe. like Matt Berry's maybe only 15, 20 years older. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, but I think they'll probably cast some unknown person. That probably. Some they'll, handsome they'll, guy. Exactly. They're going to they're gonna cast someone who's just like hot and an okay actor. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, eh. The one thing that really, honestly, I, I mean, I wouldn't know about it if they just like intentionally, I mean, first off, Cyborg should be just queer as fuck, right? Mm. Um, yeah, beyond that, like, I don't really care how they cast him. Yeah. Like, Cyborg does need to be, like, intentionally sexy and queer, though. Mm. And I'm, I'm not talking sexy, like, needs to be, like, a really handsome dude. Because, like, Matt Berry carries himself in a very sexy way because yeah. he's got, like, the swagger, you know? Mm. He needs to have that swagger. Yeah. Because Cyborg is a fucking bala. Yeah. Like he, he's confident in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's got a mission. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a badass Vulcan. He's yeah. a, he's a Vulcan who his, his like, you know, transcended beyond silly logic games. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play that fucking bar trivia bullshit. <laughs> he, he calls to a higher God yeah. and that God's name, motherfucking Cyborg <laughs> and girl dick. Yes. It's a one, two combo, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward Cy, to Bok, girl, cock. Look at this award to see if they do include Cybok in the next season of, uh, of uh, strange new world. That'd be cool. Oh, they're definitely going to. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't tease it like that and not bring in Cybok, right? Yeah. Especially now that you have Kirk and fucking, although it, it made it kind of clear that Kirk had never encountered Cybok before in Star Trek five. Didn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He doesn't know who he is. Like, no, he, he knows who, wait, well, no, he doesn't know. He doesn't, he's, he does, he's never hurt. He didn't even mm, know. Because remember, he's just like, <laughs> right, right, right. You, right. you have a brother? And, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he's yeah. like, yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, that's right. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know how they're going to play that. Yeah. I, but, just, you know, I, I just hope they don't include Kirk at all. Like, I'm I'm done with. Yeah. That, that, guy, that guy doesn't need to be there. I mean, Spock really didn't need to be there, except mm-hmm. the way they set it up with uh, fucking Discovery. I yeah. get why they did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like. I agree. Kirk does not need to be there. They don't need to bring in any legacy characters. No. I like all the legacy characters they have. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they're not bringing Scotty in this season mm-hmm. as a main character. They said he might show up. Yeah, that's the thing. They could have left Spock out until like, because like. Yeah, Spock, I thought, I yeah, because Spock was, yeah, he wasn't always the first officer yeah. on the fucking. Yeah, because well, yeah, like, it's just, yeah, because like in the, in the original, um. Uh, pilot of Star Trek, he was mm-hmm. it was Spock and um, Pike, right, right. But like that's that was like ten years down the line, right. So they they could have like, but you know they but you know Spock, you know everyone loves Spock, so that was there. Yeah, <laughs> everyone does love Spock, but also like you know Spock is one of those things like uh you know a reason like Andor the Star Wars Andor was so mm. so good and I liked it so much is because um you know how many characters they had with the last name Skywalker in there. Hmm. Fucking zero. <laughs> None. Yeah. They don't even mention anyone involved with any of that. Mm. Like, it's all, like, political intrigue. That's mm. all it is. And I'm like, this rocks because, yeah, it's a Star Wars show in name, but it, like, has nothing to do with Star Wars other than the fact that there is an empire 
that is overreaching. Yeah. And that's basically it. And beyond that, like the fucking showrunner just made up his own shit. And mm-hmm. that's awesome. We love world building. Yeah. And the antithesis of world building is what like fucking JJ Abrams does. Yeah. Which is why I'm starting to turn against JJ Abrams ideas <laughs> and stuff. And like starting to think back and be like, you know what? S- Star Trek 2009, although it was entertaining, ultimately I think it's kind of a bad film. Yeah. Because it is part of this this idea, this 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 thing that um that a lot of directors are doing with IP where instead of creating new worlds or expanding on worlds of their own design, they're just recreating other people's worlds in different ways, mm-hmm. which is fine if you're like a comic book maker, because yeah. there's only, only so many superheroes you can actually make that connect with people. And they've already made literally every superhero with every fucking power you can have. And all the people have, you know, democratically chosen, hey, we don't fucking want Ant-Man, but somehow they fucking made a successful yeah. franchise out of him anyway. Um, and then we're getting and then we're getting a rebooted Superman franchise yeah so which, it's just like i mean and i mean I, I i don't know i'm i'm done with like we yeah we all don't. iterations of right of batman superman's yeah like i i would much rather see you know like a new avatar film because i know each mm-hmm. one of the avatar films is going to add something new yeah and some new ideas that haven't really been in that popular of culture anymore mm-hmm. whereas like all these comic book ideas are at this point i mean we are in 20 years now on or third or fourth, the fifth Spider-Man. Now, yeah. If you count like the Miles Morales and shit like mm-hmm. that, like, like it's, it's one character. Do we need that many people playing that one <laughs> character in that amount of time? Or maybe we should make films about other characters. Yeah. But that's the problem is like, people will only do safe IPs. And that's why mm-hmm. like intellectual property is dumb dog shit. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we should pay less attention to like IPs because it's fucking, it destroys art, man. Mm-hmm. Like there, it adds nothing new. Yeah. Like as much as cool as maybe like the new Spider-Man looks like all it, all the new stuff is about is like all of the Spider-Man universe is coming together. So mm-hmm. it's a, a meta commentary on Spider-Man. So they've, they've made <laughs> so many fucking Spider-Mans. They've gotten to the end of the road and they're making post Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's become too meta. Yeah, which is like, I mean, fine, I guess. I might entertain the idea of like a post-Star Trek Star Trek film, but like I'd rather them just do something in the universe that doesn't have to do with Spock or Jim Kirk or maybe even Starfleet. Yeah. I'd fucking love to see a Cardassian show, mm. a Klingon show, yeah. even an early Romulan history show could mm-hmm. be totally interesting. Yeah. A Romulan war show even. No, that still involves Starfleet, but a, a Romulan- comedy Ferengi show. Oh, that would <laughs> fuck. Dude, that would go hard, yeah. man. Um, yeah, fucking, I mean, you could literally just do a show at Quarks. Yeah. I mean, like a Cheers type show at Quarks <laughs> would fucking go hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's there's so many things you can do. We don't need that. No. no. We don't need that. So uh, next we got on this list, uh, Lower Decks, The Stars at Night, which was, I think, the, the finale of the season. Oh, yeah, it was good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it wasn't one of the strongest episodes of the season, though, I didn't think. No. It was, it was good. Um, yeah, they got, definitely got, uh, they blew their load at the beginning. They did. And, like, there was a couple things, a couple, like, comic motifs that I thought, like, fell really flat. The one that I keep thinking of is, like, the I will burn your heart in a fire thing. Mm. I thought that line just sucked. And the fact that they kept on using it as a comic motif made me go, stop. Like, yeah. So like, like 
you can try something once and like, but why did the whole writer's room go like, ha, 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 I will burn your heart in a fire. Yeah. That's a funny thing for a ship to say. <laughs> what? What's that? No, I'm saying yeah. it again. Have the ship say it again. Like, no, that's, yeah. that's not that funny. No. Like, which is crazy. Cause like Mike McGann wrote, um, who wrote that episode mm-hmm. also wrote what I would consider probably the best episode in the season. Mm. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next we have the episode from Picard monsters, which is wrong, which is, which is the one where he talks to the therapist for the yeah, whole his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Who turns out to be his dad. And I also, that is that, no, that guy wasn't Gaius Baltar. Was it? Or was it? I don't know. Is that, is that a guy from another thing? Yeah. It's from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah, I never seen it. Excuse me. Yeah. I never, I never watched Battlestar. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like Lex. I like, uh, um, uh, Farscape, dude. You would you would like BSG? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you would like BSG. I mean, dude. I don't know if that if that if that episode's any indication. No, I won't. <laughs> no, I mean just because it's got an actor. Yeah. Like, come on, he he's dead to me now. Okay, you know <laughs> I'm gonna sell you on BSG in a sentence. Hmm. You know who the showrunner to BSG is? Huh. Ronald D. Moore. Okay, yeah, I'll watch Boom! It. All right, all right. All the guy right. who wrote all of the best Klingon episodes, like, is the fucking creative director for the entire show. Okay, I'll yeah. watch it. And so it's like great political war intrigue, mm. and also it's like a post-9-11 show that is decidedly not like a 24-type show, where it's like torture apologism. Like a, like Enterprise? Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> doesn't quite go that route. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next on the list, we have Strange New Worlds, Memento Mori, uh, the first mm. Gorn episode, which yeah. was really good. I yeah. like that one. That was um, good. Yeah, I'd say that totally belongs. Next, we have uh, Discovery's Rosetta, which I don't think I've seen. Uh, what happens in it? I don't fucking know. They're working on First Contact. Fucking. Uh, oh, I think that's the episode where they um, um, establish contact. That has some really cringe scenes mm-hmm. where, like, um, Detmer is. Um, is uh, saying like, you know, takes charge and is able to like handle a situation where um, they're all being um, uh, affected by these uh, these aliens, the aliens mm-hmm. that they're trying to convince not to destroy Earth. They they um, was they, that the D D M C A? Yeah, some, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so like um, demilitarized, and there's some um, and they release some sort of like uh, pathogen or or pheromone. Mm-hmm. Um, that affects them through their sh- suits and starts giving them paranoia and stuff. And then, like, Detmer is able to, like, identify it. And she's like, I'm able to do this because I had therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shitting you. That's, that's an actual line. And, like, when she said that, she's like, I, I, I used coping techniques I learned in therapy. I was just like, oh, God, shut up. <laughs> I was just like, uh, like, it's like completely, it's completely just like ham-fisted, just like writing. There's no subtlety to it. There's no, no there's nothing. It doesn't, it's just so stupid. And like, I was like, okay, I'm done. I think, yeah, this is the episode. I'm pretty sure. Like, I, I feel like Discovery is like written by an HR chat bot or yes. something. Like, yeah. just, <laughs> or a, a PC, uh, press a PMC mm-hmm. chat bot. It's just yeah. like, it writes in like the floweriest fucking corporate terms. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and that is the episode that they did. Like how I, I'm pretty sure this is the episode where they end up figuring out how to talk 
to the aliens mm. and like they do it through some sort of like mm-hmm. scent exchange and oh it must and, be because it's called Rosetta yeah and uh, and then like flashing lights and stuff yeah but I don't know all those episodes seriously blended together because it was just so fucking annoying the entire season <laughs> next we have uh, what was actually probably one of the best episodes of the season uh, but uh, from Picard Assimilation which I think was the second episode which wasn't bad that was not good where, either. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's where we had like fascist Picard though, which is kind of fun and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that was know. an okay episode. That, like, that, the that. first two episodes of the season, I'm like, okay, this has a little promise. And like third episode, I was like, looking at the gun, <laughs> just <laughs> like, no. Nah. Yeah, I mean it, that like what they like that is another mm-hmm. episode that was just like taking it so cheesy, just like hitting you over the head with the concepts. It was just like you know, it's like. Oh yeah! Instead of the Enterprise, it's the Sky Razor. You know, it's dumb, dumb fucking bullshit. Like, you know, he's like this, and he's supposed to be like this, this um successful like murder and like um, you know, and um, uh, wager of war and stuff. But he's just still like in a ninety year old man that looks like he's about to fall over from a, from a breath. <laughs> and yeah, and That's just true. And I don't know. It, it was it was still pretty cheesy, and I guess I think. Like, just overwritten, just... Yeah, yeah, I mean, the entire season was overwritten. Like, the the foundation they set up, though, I was like, okay, there could be a story here. And then, like, it very quickly dematerialized. Like, the moment yeah. they got to L.A., I'm like, oh, this, nope. isn't, this isn't going Uh-oh, well. Uh-oh, they didn't want to spend any money for costumes, just oh. wearing, like, black leather and, like, and just, like, yeah, their normal street clothes. And it's, like, them just wandering around, like, COVID-era L.A., so there's, like, yeah. not really any extras or anything except like no. indoors and, and, really and there was nothing that really like you know um from the ds9 episode where they went to 2024 mm-hmm. that they actually put some effort into making it seem like a dystopia and there was nothing that of that kind really in this where it's just no. like it was just like the bars were open as normal no People the, were just the, operating the dystopia nor- was the fucking ice centers and stuff yeah and they're like oh we're taking you to a sanctuary city mm-hmm. and it turned out it was like just an ice camp and and so they're like retconning, which is something I really fucking hate. Like yeah. retconning is fine if you do it responsibly to an epi- but, to a beloved episode. That's but, awesome. But it <laughs> it, it, has, it it doesn't have anything to do with that really. Yeah, it's it's them shoehorning a different social issue. Yes, into a social issue because before the sanctuary cities were a thing entirely about class. Yes, and now they're pinpointing a specific class but they're trying to make it like super relevant. So they're like, Oh, it's no longer about class as a whole. It's about like, you know, because they couldn't, immigrants and, and, they like, couldn't, they, and they couldn't, what? and they couldn't do it about class because, um, Renee Picard is obviously part of the upper class. Right. Cause she's like an astronaut celebrity and yeah. like going to the fancy parties. True. And so, and then like making her the savior of like mankind at that time. And it's uh-huh. just like, you Which know, is, and if they if they were to depict like the 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 class division mm-hmm. that it's completely unfair and that she's profiting off of human misery, it wouldn't have impacted that much. And so, and so this this really like pinpoints why I hate fucking Discovery and Picard so yeah. much versus all the other Star Treks is because both of them are writing about exceptionalism. Yeah. Like, fucking Discovery, I can't tell you how mad it makes me when, like, Michael Burnham saves the universe again. Yeah. Or is, like, the most important person in the universe again. Because it would make sense if, perhaps, in any other Star Trek, anybody ever mentioned Michael Burnham. 
but yeah, they I mean, didn't. They take it. They take it away from being a from like a lot of the problem solving being a collaborative effort. Right. Exactly. And yeah. it, it becomes all about like Michael Burnham's will and her manipulating people into doing her will, which yeah. she thinks is the right thing. Yeah. It's the fucking like uh, whatever ultra of uh, effective altruism. Effective altruism. The fucking yeah. what rich people are doing. They're like, oh well, I I know. I know the thing to do best mm-hmm. and we have to do it. Tears. <laughs> I'm like, no, like you need to talk to people and figure out the best thing to do. Yeah. Like that's the spirit of star Trek is it's, it's a community adventure. And like sometimes Kirk is wrong, but it's because Spock and bones are right. And mm-hmm. like stuff like that. And it's, it's never, uh, it never equates to that. It's like Michael Barnum's right. And when she's wrong, it's because mm-hmm. she didn't get it fully. Yeah. And then someone else like, does something and it makes it all good again. And mm. she never fucking has to answer for any of her problems. It's all fucked up, man. I, I really hate. And that's what I hate about like superhero movies too, is it's all writing about exceptionalism. Most of which is based in like white savior syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all the dog shit. <laughs> Next we have a, a episode. I definitely feel belongs on here. And it's, I actually wrote my top 10 list today and it's very mm. near my top 10 list uh, the, near the top. Um, this one is prodigies, all the world's a stage, mm. which is the one where they go to like the Trek planet. Yeah. The Enterpriseans. Like, yeah. The Enterpriseans. Um, I thought that was not only just a, it was, it was, it didn't really advance the story at all, mm-hmm. but it was a very fun episode of Trek. And to me, I think important because it is one of the best like introductory type episodes of Trek as a kid show, Mm -hmm. like showing kids, Hey, this is Trek. Mm -hmm. Are you interested? Kind of thing. Like it does a really good job of like world building, explaining some kind of machinations of Starfleet and what has happened before. And also like, you know, like providing kind of a intro to Star Trek as a whole. Yeah. And for people already familiar with it, it was just fun and be like, Hey, Hey, that's mm-hmm. full of fucking references. They're yeah. all fun references. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Uh, the episode also featured an appearance by Fred Tadasiori, mm-hmm. uh, is Ensign N. Sun. Uh, he also plays, um, as you might know on Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, Shax. Yes. Next we have another episode I think definitely belongs on here, uh, from Lower Decks, Crisis Point 2 Paradeal. Mm. Yeah, which is a kind of a holo, holo deck episode, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, also like a, a movie type thing. Yeah. It was just really fun. Uh, if you haven't seen the first uh, episode, uh, Crisis Point Part 1, that might be the best episode of season one, yeah. besides the last episode. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good episode. Recommend it. Uh, next we have um, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. Series mm. premiere. I thought it was pretty good. It started off on a great note. Like I was, yeah. I was blown away actually. Cause, uh, if you didn't watch it like live or whatever, they released the, uh, series premiere of strange new worlds on the same night is the series or the season finale of star Trek Picard season two. Yeah. Which, uh, was one of the, maybe, maybe the best premiere in all of star Trek. Yeah. As far as an episode, it, I mean, it's it was, surpri- it was definitely surprising. Cause it's like, you watch the, you watch the, uh, uh, the finale of season two of Picard and it's mm-hmm. just like, you just ate a giant turd. Yes. And then like, and this is like, if you just followed up the turd with like a big bowl of chocolate ice cream and, <laughs> and it's just yes. like, mm, this is actually not bad and make the turd taste a little better. Cause yeah, like, yeah, it was a great opening. you, and you, that was an uh, episode I feel you really got to know immediately who 
who the characters were. Yeah, even though some of them had already been introduced, like yeah. they did a really good job of introducing the new characters. Yeah, like, and, uh, and get to know the new uh, Nurse Chapel. And, yeah, new nurse, new nurse Chapel. Uh, mm-hmm. Was was Unichun Riley in Discovery at all? Yes. Was she? Yeah, the, she the, was. At the very end? Or? Yeah, she didn't have a name. They just, oh. called, her, they just called her number one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Like, you didn't really figure out her name until, yeah, yeah until. But yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, uh, Celia Gooding is, uh, her, mm, is yeah. killing it. Love her. Yeah. Um, she rocks. Yeah. Uh, hey, kitty cat. Oh, kitty. She's kitty terrified. Cat. She is. She's always terrified when she comes out. Mm-hmm. Why are you always crawling under my bed, lady? I love you. Bye. Damn, look at that primordial pouch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she got that she got that skin pouch under the belly. Hells yeah. Hello there. She a floppy floppy girl. All right. I think uh, I think that's a good place to call it for the day. Yeah. That's truck news. Truck news. Super duper.